Right, this is going to be another episode of The Best Damn League Show, period. And our guest for this one is a return guest. He was on a past episode. It is Jensen Gore. That's right. A.K.A. There's two different ways you can think of Jensen. You can think of him as less obnoxious uh, Nelson. That's one. Although, you notice that I didn't go like, you know, sort of like more magnanimous. I just like less obnoxious. Like, we don't dislike anything about Nelson. He's just very obnoxious, isn't he? He just has that blunt wave, like... I mean, the problem is he's on that, that, that pie may shit of sort of like, I know all the knowledge about the game. You are all fools. It's like, okay. For, I mean, it's, it's one angle to take, but fucking hell, can, can anyone else get in here? It's like, no, only I know how to run Excel. No one else. No, wait a minute. We won't do that whole thing. Listen, it's okay, Nelson. I'll I'll give you a pass there, mate. Because let's be real. Everyone else passed on you, so why not just, uh, oh, that's the trend now. Right, so and the other version, though, the other angle is you could also think of Jensen here as the analyst that, no one asks to be on the show, but I just ram down your thoughts anyway every time there's an yeah. available guest spot because essentially, and this is true, I've actually told him this before, I actually think he's underrated because what I like is I like people who have a, a totally coherent style of how they analyze. I call it like lenses or models. And what I try to do is like I like to look through other people's model. Like how does LS see it? Like I've always told people this story. Whenever anyone else gets mad at LS, like, oh, he's doing some story now about how like the law of street fighters about how people compete. I'm like, Shut the fuck up, let him cook, let him cook. I was the original let him cook, mate. It was just me and LS out in the fucking Sedona Desert or something with all on LSD and peyote coming up. And then oh, he's just about to say some amazing shit about fucking reuse backstory, and you're all like, what, what's this got to do with the league? It's like, oh, shut the fuck up, let him cook, let him cook. <laughs> and tell you what, I do let him cook. So Jensen, I've, I've told you the story in the past. He did actually predict that EDG would win worlds, or at least showed how it's possible. So we're going to see on this episode where he's at on Europe, because actually, I think this is probably one of the most interesting times ever, Jensen, if we're going to apply your analytical lens to how the teams operate. Because in Europe right now, first of all, it's been really exciting, the turnover of teams that are near the top. And then with teams like, obviously, like BDS is one we're going to talk about a lot in this episode. Who yeah. the fuck ever thought this team would be this good? Like, they're in a really strong position right now, and it's looking like super... Like, there's a world where... Look, they'd have to win the split, which... We'll get to it later, but unfortunately, this episode will be dogged a little bit, guys, by what Dom told us like three weeks ago, which is the championship <laughs> point angle actually low-key ruins this like whole group section because you can't just look at each result in isolation. Like, wow, great win, because it's basically about who gets to go along with G2 to MSI. Maybe we'll address that very quickly, Dom. Isn't that basically one of the things? Don't you agree? Doesn't that sort of bomb you out? Because every time I look at the result, like I enjoy it, but then when I look at the bigger picture, it's like, oh, fuck, wait, does that mean Mad Lions or Koi goes now? I can't, I keep having to check that i'm so scared that those are the other teams you know i feel like that's the worst part of <laughs> this type of format is that if you really care about what the results mean you have to constantly be looking at the championship points angle and be like okay so if koi gets third and g2 wins that means that they go unless mad lions gets yes. fourth like it's just some some really weird like logic you have to do um like that but before we get into the, the, the nitty-gritty i mean i just want to throw out there that i originally suggested bjergsen go as the guest uh, for the show, but Thorin just kept on telling me there that Jensen go. go was better, so go. I guess we have to, to go with this that, here. Not bad. That wasn't bad, that wasn't bad, that wasn't bad. You know one thing that's sad, I actually realised this, I always thought puns were just like the easiest shit ever, but they do actually like impress the Zoomer audience way too much, mate. they all think, oh my, oh my god, I mean, remember, they've never cracked a fucking book open, that's why it's actually hilarious as a random other detail, that Jensen here wrote a real book in real life, but, what, which is, by the way, quaint as fuck. Like, I love the idea, but I don't know about the idea any kid on 
online, like buying a book, like reading, like the whole thing's like, like TSM's the reason why TSM's the biggest site ever. Cause it's just some dickhead website. Like, wow, Rick, just build shit on it. Like, oh, thanks Reggie. Like, and then every fucking kid just, they think it's like a Pokedex or something. Mate. So there's no way anyone's buying a book. And then also I will just draw out there, Jensen. I was, I wanted to buy your book. I was like, please take my money like that meme. And then the pro- only problem is you, that whole website thing isn't working. So you've got to, you know, manually send you the money and then you physically send me the book like this that's the thing all the best will in the world that that doesn't work that that doesn't scale does like you can't send out a hundred thousand but okay let's bring it back here's the first place we need to start let's actually start with bds i think it's actually the most fun team to talk about at the moment because the what the problem i have is this jensen it's not at all that like i'll watch them in the here's the thing we do on the show as well because they stupidly named the season the split is like season is the part of the BO1s, then groups is the BO3s, and BO5 is the playoff. You just call it BO5s or BO1s. It's probably easier for this section, right? So when we were in the BO1 part, it's not that I didn't believe in BDS. It looked great. In fact, they could have even won some of the games they lost in that particular phase, originally almost like gone undefeated. The problem is you just expect experience level of the players. They obviously have a couple of fucking weird mistakes every now and then each game that could throw the whole game. People would just expect as you increase the number of games, and especially like the more pressure than they should be the team that falls apart, but they haven't. So what is your take on BDS? How, how, like, they're just legit at this point, Miss. How are they so good? Uh, I think there's a few things that we can look at over here. And one of the big trends I want to visit today is uh, I'm, I had a war on tempo a few years ago, right? Today, I'm going to go go to war against this concept of strong side, right? Uh, I'm not trying to eliminate the word completely because I still think it's very useful in terms of how we describe things. But I think that people still talk about strong side in this modern day narrative in terms of like, oh, is this the guy we play towards? And it makes sense narratively. But if you look at the map control idea of the game where people are playing a lot more in two lanes and things like that, uh, it's not so much about who's a strong side player and a weak side player. The question is, how do we create a strong side of the map? And I think that uh, that's a, that is why I enjoy watching LEC so much um, this year because you're seeing all these different ideas in terms of um, different philosophies and different setups in terms of how do we move on the map? Do we move out your side lane? Do we move out your mid? Is it about connecting the jungle and support? How tightly is the support and jungle connected? Or is it more of the one to two system that we saw a lot from Korea in the previous year as well? So um, BDS, I think this is a um, team that I think was very uh, well coached in terms of tactics wise, right? And I'm going to draw a football analogy over here and people are, are, are going to wonder, oh, are you going to talk about Barcelona, Juventus or one of those big teams? No, I'm actually not going to talk about one of those big teams because BDS is not a big team. I'm going to talk about Brighton, right? This is a team in the EPL that nobody, if you're outside of uh, England itself, right? If you're outside of the UK itself, you probably have n- never really heard about this team. It's like in a footnote, okay, Liverpool, uh, in fact, Liverpool actually lost to this team twice this year, but um, the, the point is that this is a team that doesn't really have a star set of players, but they were using a very interesting tactical setup where they were just playing really slowly in the build-up of the play, uh, and they were calling it defenders with starts on top of the ball, right? Which is something that's very unconventional in football, and they were using it to buy space and create space, create space so that they would so that they could use the tactics to do the work for them so that the, their quality of players would not be as challenged as much okay. in the more forward positions itself. And um, to bring things back into the League of Legends context... I'm definitely here, interested to what... see how you're going to explain that BDS players aren't challenged, but then again, enough about their social media. Continue. 
<laughs> yeah, that, that's the idea as well, right? Where BDS is us, using all. Well, we do that every now and then, guys. If you've never seen one of our shows before, just keep going. Just keep up. Go on, go on, just keep going. And BDS is using all these tactical brilliancies to to overcome for us some of these issues, right? Like when they play against Koi in that series, uh, Koi, I think this is a team that um, they have to really create a lot of pressure. The bot lane Trimby has definitely been the MVP for them this split so far. And uh, if Trimby plays Trimby and Compact, they play up with power to create a a lot of pressure in bot lane uh, by winning a, a bot lane 2v2, then they're able to then influence the game. So what do they do? They come, they sack Adam's first TP, they let Adam fall a little bit behind, they do the dump, the, the silent strategy with the double jungle once again, and then there's all this pressure, right? It's one of those very classic um, bring out bring bring out the, the coaching book of Dark Arts, look through it, and they say, hey, okay, there's this interesting silver bullets, and these are the ways that we can solve towards that. And I think the BDS, they have a very um, clear team identity. We play uh, for prior and bot lane, we're going to use that to then achieve the uh, a Drake stacking win condition and then they understand their team fight conditions around the, the dragon pretty well as well so i don't have a lot of major complaints when it comes to uh to, to bds uh we can talk i i think there's like one or two fatal flaws that if they if this is a team that somehow goes to an international event right so i i thought they, they actually had a decent chance of doing it but if the championship points requires them to be in first place and things like that, then it's, it's a little bit of a shame because I'd really like to see how this team would fare against the international competition, right? This is back like back in the day, um, I wouldn't say back in the day, like, like two, three years back when all the LPL teams were super, super idiosyncratic, right? The LPL teams are still kind of idiosyncratic, but there's a little bit more of amalgamation these days. But when you had like TES was very distinctly TES, um, the Doan B team was very distinctly Doan B. A Doin B star, and the rookie team was a very distinctly rookie style team, and uh, and it was always so interesting to see which of these teams would go up and play against international competition. I was hoping we would see the same thing at BDS as well, and see how well these Korean teams, or uh, see how well the LPL teams, or even the NA teams, right, how well they would adapt to all these uh, shenanigans that they can bring out. Come on, yeah. Dom, where you are on BDS? Like they actually are the truth now, aren't they? Like we can't really deny it. Yeah, I mean, I think they're 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 doing a lot better than I expected. I mean, one of the things that I was predicting in best of series is that Adam would be worse. And I think that that's actually happened. But the True. rest of the team is just compensating. I feel like all the strength that Adam had somehow just went to Nuck. And now Nuck is just performing like he's one of the best mid laners in the league. I don't actually believe he's one of the best mid laners in the league. That's why I always okay. say performing. I know, like, I know. Because Sheo and Nuck, I mean, if you just look at the way they play the game, they might be the best mid jungle that we've seen so far. But do I actually believe that they're that good at their core? Like, do I think that, you know, in, in three splits, you know, Nuck is going to be better than Caps and like we're going to just be in like the Nuck era. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I just refuse to believe that I'm going to have to keep on saying Nuck for for 900 days or some shit and, and praising him. So that's that's what that's one thing that I think BDS has kind of uh, struggled with is their top lane champion pools. I mean, they seem pretty much exposed. I mean, the, the Olaf game was probably Adam's best game this weekend. He got solo killed in that one. Then he actually got a solo kill back. So he stabilized in, in that one. But I thought the Darius pick was just terrible. Like the Darius pick into into um, Olaf or into Nar. Sorry. I think that this is just a really weird angle. I don't think you ever want to play Darius if Nar is up um, in, in the modern era, at least with the current items. Like maybe when you had old Stridebreaker where you had that mini dash, that was a, a way that you could play this matchup. But I think that the way that they draft champions is really surprising top lane. It's almost like they just have like a notepad that says, if Olaf's up, we draft Olaf. If not, we go Darius. If not, we go uh, Set. 
If Set is bad for the game, we go Renekton. If Renekton is bad, we go Malphite. If all of those don't look good, we go Scion. And it's just, they go through that. You know, maybe they get a fucking Jarvan counterpick that looks like he's first time getting the game. But I feel like that's a very concerning trend because I don't think that they're actually picking things that are coherent in the game. Um, a, lo a lot of times I just see like Adam getting one of his champions and it's like he doesn't, I guess in these games, he doesn't need to perform for them to win. But I just doubt that Sheo's going to be like 10-0 on Vi consistently enough where you're not going to need to, like you're essentially able to get away with the game 4v5. So that's an issue I see with BDS. And then um, also they are falling behind in gold. I mean, they're they're winning these games because they have such insane dragon control. They had, they, I think they were like 16-0 on drags or something like absolutely absurd in the four games they played. Um, but it's not always possible to just get dragon all, all, all the time. Like if teams draft in certain ways, um, and especially with the way that they prioritize their champs, I just don't think that it's a consistently um, viable condition. And obviously in a lot of these games, they're able to get soul and that kind of compensates for the gold that they're down in the game. And they end up winning anyway. Um, but yeah, I, I just feel like there's still some, some weird aspects of BDS where you just feel like this is exploitable, you know, like they, they, this type of playstyle is just not um, consistent. And then also, I would like to see if, if teams tried banning out Cheo if he had a, a viable champion pool outside of, you know, the Vi, the Sejuani, the Wukong. I think he's really good on these picks. He doesn't strike me as the type of jungler that would be able to just play everything all the time. For example, if we see, like, Cheo Lee Sin come out, is he going to be able to perform as, like, one of the best junglers in the league on Lee Sin compared to, you know, Bo or some of the other people that we have uh, still you know, in, in contention here. So I, I need to see more. I, I have to see when teams draft differently against them, because I feel like this is one of the things that will happen um, with Adam playing a little bit worse. And, you know, with people becoming more confident in being able to play counters instead of it just being like, Oh no, you can't give him all effort dares. He'll win every game, no matter what. I felt like that was a little bit of an overreaction where now we're starting to meet somewhere in the middle where it's like, no, I mean, if he wants to play, Olaf into Kennen, like every game or some shit. Just let him play Olaf into Kennen. Just play fucking Kennen and just like, you know, win the game. Play, play Nar into these matchups and just don't let him take those free solo kill angles or don't let him like flash on you and, and get a free kill in the lane phase and you'll just be able to outpace. So um, I think the teams will adapt how they view BDS after these series of games because before I think Adam was a focal point where now I think people are going to focus more on Cheo's champion pool and they'll also focus on ways to limit the bot lane because i feel like the bot lane is the most legit part of bds oh easily in fact i even think like the like I, to be fair i probably don't even give props enough to labrov it's not even that he's been like out of this world but he's been pretty consistently good like i very rarely notice games where i'm like what the hell is he doing like, i mean he had a terrible terrible renata game this sure <laughs> this week where like he almost solo ruined the game i mean the he, he queued and he tried to pull it and then he ulted backwards and then suddenly like the whole game exploded when they had massive control. So that was rough. I mean, I think the way that he conceptualizes Renata ults scares me. It seems like, like when you look at Renata, I mean, you just have to, Renata and Nami, you have to just throw these abilities that are relatively slow traveling at positions on the map to force people to not, not walk through like these chokes. Like, I mean, it's what we said earlier. It's like these abilities are almost made for certain sections of the map. If you look at like the width of entrances into river or the width of the uh, path behind blue buff, these are perfect locations to be throwing Renato. And you see him use it like almost like he's trying to hit a skill shot where he positions it where the center of the ult is on the center of the enemy champion he's aiming for instead of just like ulting a corridor and making them choose, oh, either you walk into the ult or you have to choose to walk into our team and die. I feel like the, these are like some issues that I'm seeing 
um, with the Brav, but I would say that Crowney just looks insanely legit. I mean, he just looks like either the best or the second best AD carry in the entire league. Yeah. No, the key thing for me is not only does he almost every single week just play really, really well as well, but they actually as a team obviously understand their identity, like they play to him. So I think they just do a great job. Like the funny thing is the Every single thing that sounds like a knock on this team is essentially just like what you're supposed to do as a professional. Like they look like they have a decent read on, well, they're very good at one point, read on the meta, whether they can execute it's the other question probably on that one. But like, that's the problem with the whole she or nook thing, Dom, is even though people are going to think it's haterism, I can't, I can't, I not only can't get past it, I won't get past it. And this is the problem. <laughs> I mean, his like name that, is fucking Nuck. Like, come I know, on. That, like, that's he not great it's Nuck. I know. Like, and also, if, if you don't want to be called Nuck, don't go around saying stuff about how you're going to suck. That was literally your whole angle. Like, you're playing into that, isn't it? So here's the problem, right? Like, if people saw the tweet that these guys got triggered by, it's so Oh, I can't see it because I'm, like, blocked. But, oh, it's you know. so tame, mate. It's so pathetic. Like, basically, I just did a tweet where, literally, it wasn't even as spicy as this show would be. I just said, like, basically, if you're not, you be, I hope you're just savoring the, this time period because, like, at some point, you're going to be on a normal team again in the future. It's going to be back to reality, isn't it? Because I'm with you, Dom. The problem with this, I'd say that I'd say he isn't playing better. He is playing really well. He's playing about as well as it's possible he can play. It's just when I watch with the eye test, I don't believe it's actually real. Like, essentially, he's like one of those weird people on youtube that have figured out how to like use like fucking contouring and like eyeshadow to make fake abs or something it's like look they look sick the abs do look and the depth if you turn that angle yeah that does look great i can't lie it looks mega and he's lifted up some of that does say like it might be a cartoon weight but it does say like 150 kilograms like well he's, he's doing it Tom. he's fucking killing it i just don't believe it's real the problem is like basically i think i don't know what it's gonna be i don't know if it's gonna be the meta swap that a lot of these champions do seem to go into his wheelhouse right now. I'll say that. I'd be interested to see a mid lane meta swap. If he went to MSI, I think he'll get brutalized. I'll just say it. And the last thing I'll say on the Nook Shio angle is even though people are going to think it's to hate or knock, I actually just think the Shield guy's way better than I originally thought he was. I think he's the player that's sort of like grown on me over time when I watched this squad. So just a good team. The problem is though, if you have a player like Adam, who just has obvious idiosyncratic flaws in his game, you have someone like uh, Nock sooner or later is going to have to play a different meta in mid lane and it's going to be a different apply. Eventually it just feels like it's inevitable they'll, they can't be the best team for real. But if they are now, I'll give it up to them. It's basically like if you watch the other big leagues, there's always one team like this. Like in LPL, maybe EDG was going to be the best team, maybe. But you look at the lineup and you're like, they don't really have the players you think are going to win the MVP, win the final, dominate someone in the playoffs. You know what I mean? So if BDS can get past all that, I'll tip my hat. And right now, like, fuck it. I, this one, I'll give credit as well. I did say this group looked really dangerous for them, but they've fucking won it. So I've got to give it to them. Jensen, what do you think on the team in this sense? Like, are we hitting on some of these players? You're you think these players are good? Where are you at on them? Uh, I think they're just good in this very specific matter at this very specific point of time and where all the teams are at at the moment, right? Because I think that for some of this, the teams in the LEC, they're still trying to figure things out. So this actually reminds me a lot of uh, IG at the start of the split in the LPL, right? Where they were just scoring all these mad wins over some of the top teams and they were having all these cheesy shenanigans as well. Well, it's pretty much so, only EDG, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was, it, it was EDG, but at one part of the time people were asking, is, is, IG, is IG in conversation yeah, with, sure. uh, with the YSKM yep. guy? Um, being up there, right? So I, I would say that that is one energy I draw to. The other is RA, right? Uh, RA in 2021, not the current RA. Current RA is terrible. I'm talking about the one that almost went to Worlds, right? Where it's the same idea. There's, they knew the identity uh, was a fofo. I, I remember they just played a lot of Jinx Zoe, right? The idea was that Jinx got prior, that secured the first the first trick, then Zoe would secure tricks two, three, four for them, and that. 
that was kind of the the general game plan that they had over there. So it's um the the patch uh is something that is definitely in favor for them. And with how short the LEC split is at the moment, where it's they 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 split it up to three splits, right? So it's like winter, spring, and summer now. And because of how short spring split is, it's like you can just be really good on a certain series of batches, or you can just be really good for a certain point of time, and then that can actually make you. Uh, deceive the eye test to a lot of people, right? So uh, I, I would say that this group is actually a very strong stylistic matchup for them, right? Like the way that they play, they're very good at taking control of the map because of the things that we talked about. They're very well coached and they connect support and jungle on the initial move into this. So against a Koi, which is a three lane team, they're naturally going to dominate them, right? Because they're always going to take the free space and Koi is always going to have to give up the, the mid push. They're always going to have to give up the jungle control when BDS walks into them. Now the problem is this is like what uh, Dom is saying, and um, it's not just the way that LeBrov is casting his spells. I'm just watching his movement in these games, and he's not holding hands with his jungler like some of the ways that um, the the good support and jungle players in the LPL do. Or or even if we if we go to Astralis, then we talk about that a little bit as well. So in this idea of strong side, they're they're good at creating a strong side through connecting this um, manpower advantage and using it to control the jungle. But once they get control of the area of the map, they tend to split up a little bit. More more, and I really don't like what LeBrov is doing there. Sometimes I wonder if he is just being pulled around by his teammates too much, and he's walking this mid laner for no reason, he's walking this AD carry for no reason, and then Shield now is uh, then now Shield has to take a take a fight without support being being behind him, and that's something that I think is a little bit um, one of the the areas where if they play against a team that is going to attack them in this regard, like a G2 or a um, or, or Vitality, where they would struggle a little bit more. I think there's there's other issues with um with the gameplay, but then also I would say that the Thorin's point about Sheo impressing him, I've actually felt the opposite, where I feel like Nuck is the player that, that's grown on me because I really thought he was gonna struggle with this patch specifically because it felt like BDS before. Part of the way that they would um that they would compensate for their issue of never playing around mid too much like in the regular season where like Adam was playing to his carry champions and even though Shale would grief Adam sometimes he was going top a lot he was making sure the bot was always stable was they would always just slam Azir they would play Azir almost every single game um every time it's up it's just they're playing it and Azir is really self-sufficient and you can really just do everything on Azir not only are you self-sufficient in terms of like you don't need help you don't need push outs at, at certain points but then also uh, on top of that you have the ability to set up ganks so if there's ever an, an angle you could trade flashes um you scale well so you don't need like you don't need a lot of resources in order to perform but I felt like in these games like I was really surprised with the fact that Nuck was just out laning Larson on uh Cassio versus Ori because normally I've been told that's like a or from what I've observed, it's been a very Ori-favored matchup. Now, I do think that this is probably one of the points where Ori is the weakest in comparison to Cassio in, like, all of history. Because if you think about other metas, you know, you didn't have Roa coming in. You, did, you didn't have um, Seraphs being, like, this OP at the same time as Roa. So now you don't really have, like, as much damage on Ori to deal with the Cassio. But in terms of how the early lane was played, I don't know how um, Larson was forced to take, like, such an early bad base um, where Cassio was just you know, pushing him out. And then in the game number one, I thought his Syndra play was actually uh, pretty good. I mean, even though Shao, I think, like, there's time, like, he looks like he's playing really well in a lot of the games, and he is playing well at portions, but then he does a lot of things that makes me think that he's not really thinking about the game. So, for example, he's in the first game, he's playing, like, the Vi into Trundle, and I think that Trundle is literally the worst pick possible here. I think it literally just it makes the game a complete 4v5. I mean, you're lucky that they draft a tank top, or it's just going to be completely miserable for you. 
Um, so I was really surprised to see Sheo see a trundle and then be like, yeah, this is the game where I'm going full tank Vi. I would think that in that game when he has like a Jarvan on his team, when he has, I believe it was, that was the pentakill for crowning the Zeri game. I would assume that that would be just one of the best cleaver like angles that a, a player could see, but for some reason he didn't want to take it. So um, I was a little bit like, I don't know. There's a, there's sometimes where I see things like that and I'm like, it makes me feel like they're just not aware of all the, the, the things that are going on in the game and they're kind of just going through the motions. The best damn league show period is brought to you in association with Freeze Pipe. Now, I may be known for spitting hot fire on the mic and irritating fanboys online, but the last thing I want when I smoke cannabis products is to be coughing, irritated, and annoyed, right? That's where Freeze Pipe comes in. You take the food-safe glycerin chamber, place it into the freezer for an hour, and it will cool your smoke by over 300 degrees. That's colder than a T1 fan's heart after Sunday. <laughs> now, I'm known to prefer... Freddy 122 teams. But whatever bong you prefer, or bubbler, dab, or oil rig, Freeze Pipe has you covered. Check out their website. They have them all there. Right now, they're wanting their 420 sale because obviously Americans put the month before the day. Obviously, we know whoever invented the day system in America definitely enjoyed cannabis products. Looking up pretty based. They actually were into a lot of hemp stuff. So obviously, they have all the different things on sale there. If you want to get a discount, how about supporting Last Free Nation and using our code LFN at thefreezepipe.com for 10% off your order. What about then, like, it's funny because this storyline is repeated from last split. It was the same fucking storyline, which is you can somehow never count Koi out. Like, the moment you've seen them play a game and you're like, actually, you know what, fuck Koi. They're not that good and their players have fallen off and they're definitely going to lose the next, oh, what's that? They've just inexplicably won the next game against the best support. Well, oh, maybe they're good again. Oh, no, wait, they, they fucked me again. So, like, you can never, here's the thing, you can never can write them off but at the moment you also can't go all in on them because they're on some like fucking pokemon shit mate like you don't know what turns up like are they magikarp or are they like gyrodos the fucking evolved super version so i don't even know mate like in that g2 series they looked really good like larson was just fucking clapping claps basically it's just like a good series all the way around yeah g2 played like shit at times obviously but then they go and play that series against fucking bds like that should have been a banger series that was so underwhelming what do you want, Dom? The eternal coy fucking paradox of are they actually good at League of Legends or not? How are they doing it? Um, I mean, I think that they like have the ability to like perform better than you'd expect, but like that better than you expect is maybe at like around like a fourth best team in LEC level instead of you know before where when they were playing their best, it just felt like they were the best team in the entire league, and they obviously ended up winning yeah. a championship. So. I just feel like there's still massive disconnect with this team. I mean, also the way that the 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 um, game has changed, I think, has been really bad for Morong. Like with the removal of um, lane experience, where you can't just walk to a lane anymore and gain experience. If you don't know what the change is, you used to get forty percent experience now, or you used to get seventy five. Now you get forty percent experience um, when you share waves early game, when you share uh, lane experience early game with the jungler, which is really bad in comparison. First fourteen minutes. Um, and I feel like Morong, he just never ends up Bro, playing. By the, by the way, could could Riot in their history make it more obvious none of them actually like the jungle role or ever oh, made the jungle it. role? It's ridiculous. Like every change is just like, and then of course, um, this is why we'll fuck jungle as well. Like what? Like like this, yeah. uh, every change is fucks. Yeah, it's mental. Well, it's one know. of those things where jungle will always be so lucky if you're able to just get a bunch of free kills. Like at yes. some point, it, you have to be on play. Actually, it, it, it's not at some point. 
it should be on players to track the jungle and not give him free kills. If you see the jungle full clear towards yep. your fucking lane, you should be able to avoid it. It's like it's been in the game for 13 years. But what it is is that players are just too stupid. Like they don't know how to fucking manage waves. Like if you, especially if you think of like the average solo queue players, you can run into challenger players that are one tricks that don't know anything about like how to control their wave. They just know how their abilities interact with other champion abilities and they're able to play situations really well. That's so. no way to talk about Adam. He's a professional player and he's in... <laughs> oh, oh, sorry, but, but you, you're talking about someone else. Yeah, I so mean, literally though. Literally, it's it, it, it's pretty much that. So <laughs> as long as people... Like, jungle's an annoying role, right? You're playing your lane 1v1. You do something stupid. The jungler comes and kills you. Like, it's an annoying role to play against. People don't like that um in general and the people that have to suffer are the professional junglers for this and i feel like jungle has just became like the solid four position um in league now like if you wanted to go by dota terms like one through four like where you're it's not that you're weak and like you can carry the odd game if you're like bow versus one one three or something but most of the time you are just getting like less gold less experience than the three like main carry parts of of the team so I mean, it, it is what it is, but I think that this really hurt Mulrong because he used to sin like a motherfucker and then he would just catch up like, oh, I did finally get that kill that I've been waiting for for three minutes. Now I can push your lane and we're, we're all good. But right now you actually need to clear your camps. Like not only do you need to clear your camps to evolve your fucking pet, where if you look at a lot of these games, like Mulrong is just so far behind on pet stacks. Like I think there was a game where it was like 20 minutes and he didn't have his pet evolved yet which is like crazy because that's also your spike damage evolve. So even though I think he ended up stealing a Baron with like his 900 damage smite, it's like, what the fuck, bro? He's 900 damage smite to 1200 damage smite. Plus you just miss a bunch of free stats when you don't ha have it evolved. So I feel like the whole way the game has changed to make you actually have to clear your jungle camps, but then also you can't just catch up massively off lanes. I, I think it's just really, really rough for, um, for the way that Koi wants to play the game and the way that Morong wants to play the, play the game. Because when you when you look at, at him, he gets these leads. Like in, in the second game versus BDS, for example, he gets a lead. He gets a, a, a free kill on Wukong. You're like, nice. Wukong with a free kill pre-six. That means he's going to be like earlier to his Divine Sunderer. Massive spike. They'll be able to play through this and, you know, be able to get a, a sizable advantage. And obviously Wukong is one of the best scaling junglers in the game, especially in competitive play. Like if you get a huge flank, you could just win the entire game alone. But then you look at the way that he plays and because he just gives up so much, he just never is ahead of the curve. He never, he doesn't have the early divine Sunder. He's, he doesn't have the early smite upgrades, which obviously would help with his durability in a lot of these fights since he's going green smite. And he's just playing the fights kind of weird as well. It never felt like he was much of a like team fighting jungler. He was more the jungler that was going to, um, just play for like ganks and, and try to get like a lot of kills for his teammates and then get carried in the team fights later on. And with the way that the game has evolved, it, it just feels like Koi is never going to be able to recover from this. They still haven't found a solution for this problem that has essentially existed all split. Yes. Basically, the, yeah. the, the short version is, if people remember years ago, like Malrang's the person that they invented fucking catch-up XP for, so he could just do ga eternal ganks, basically. Because, mate, that's the thing. This guy reminds me, I actually used to have this problem, Jensen, which is when in esports, I got to the point where, like, the income is, like, way higher than it used to be because the industry got bigger and bigger and bigger and the events got bigger and bigger and bigger. I actually took years before my brain and my mindset ever clicked over, though. I had essentially, like, a poor person's mindset because I came from the... 
era of esports where you did like 80 hour week and you got like fucking 10,000 euros at the end of the year. And you were like, brilliant. Yeah. And it's only because there wasn't like much of a tax rate. You had any money at all. And so I, it took me years to do basic things that people are going to think it's like a meme out of a movie. Like, like I would actually go like, oh wait, yeah, I could just buy socks before like the hole gets in it. Like, yeah, I could just, well, I just have a bunch of socks around actually. Or I'd just go to the shop and go like, why don't you just buy loads of bottles now? What do you mean? I'm, I'm, I only need a little bit. It's like, we're well, going to buy them eventually. So just buy them now on off. Like, Oh, shit, yeah, it does make sense. I had to do that, right? That's what Malrang's problem is, dude. Like, look, I know he was on that fucking damn one team where he probably was the most starved juggler of all time because, one, I bet the second he went for a single camp, they were like, you ain't Canyon, motherfucker. And then, two, he was between Khan and Shawmaker. So he must have just been the most drained juggler of all time. I get that, but it's like, homie, you aren't in prison anymore. You don't have to guard your food like this when you eat it like Malrang. It's okay. You can just sit out with the rest of us because, mate, it's like he just doesn't know whatever spend money on himself like he'll just be at the end of the game like you say like that's me Malran, hardest ganking jungler in the game hard hat on just going to work boys yeah. it's like you oh. can just fucking you don't even have to play that way anymore like some of these champions you don't have to do that <laughs> yeah he goes to a different shop than everyone else when he bases like the sh the, the shop uh, the person that's operating the shop is like some like random street merchant that like actually is just fucking con artist and they Dude, just it's, the, it's the porn stars guys Malran goes like, yeah I need a mythic item and they're like best I can do is ruby crystal of th two wards he's like well <laughs> what can i do off to the lane again <laughs> Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's so, so fucked ridiculous. up. When you look at, like, his games, like, you, you look at the games that he's playing, right? He's playing for his triple AD, and, like, anyone else is like, hmm, triple AD. Well, Tavis is one of the most cost-efficient and best items in League yes. of Legends, and it was recently, like, kind of buffed in a way because it didn't interact the way that you thought it would with certain abilities, Um, you know, where previously it, you would get full damage. Now it mitigates part of that damage as well. You look, you look at him and he's like, yeah, you know, I'll take, I'll take lucidity boots as Wukong in this game with three AD champions. And you just want to like blow your brains out when you see it. It's just like, it's like, man, can you just build normal items? Like, I wish that Maron could just play the game and then I could just buy the items for him. Yes. Like I could just do the math. Like it's like, okay, you came home with 1400 gold. Okay. Well, that'll be a sheen and two long swords. Like I could just help him with, with, with what's going on because man, like this guy actually gets griefed constantly. I don't know. The shopkeeper has enough for him. I like to where Dom's whole plan is. He just needs to be at the 1950s housewife who's managing the <laughs> checkbook. Like, no, okay, honey, you brought in 1100 this time. That's not quite enough that we need for the item, but if you can come <laughs> back next time. And he's like, I'm just going to take these wards. No, 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 we need that. Remember, we're saving that for when your mother comes. Like, fucking... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, it's really fucked up. By the way, where are you at on that, Jensen? Because here's the problem. I will say it, it is essentially like a whole sideline on this show that we do just slander Malrang. Even when he was really good, we sort of low-key still slandered him anyway. And quite frankly, <laughs> the basic running theme on this show is it's like that line from Breaking Bad. Of like, you can't keep getting away with this. And we actually, essentially, I don't think he really has. Like, it's sort of been exposed eventually. Where do you, where do you sit on him? Because I've always wondered, like... In theory, he's supposed to be this Korean jungler. He's been a champion. Like, is how good actually is he as a jungler? In your opinion, Jensen? The thing is, it's uh, he's definitely very idiosyncratic, right? Like, he definitely has that one very specific style. Uh, Karsa is a very close example to his dad as well. And uh, there are these junglers who were just happy ending the game on ADCS, right? And then uh, I think there's like some some game Karsa played like Poppy ended the game on ADCS, something like that. It's 
the middle of Marang as well, right? And I think that it's kind of, kind of the reason why Rogue or, or Koi did so well last year as well, because that's the type of jungler that they need for this style to function. This is a team that um, is constructed around that. We're, we're going to have very strong laners, and then we need a jungler to support those strong laners. And then we are going to play on three lanes, play for farm efficiency, and then win team fights later on in the game once we scale up to, to the scaling team fight point in the game. Unfortunately for them, I think that that paradigm has kind of shifted away, and then the teams that have been trying to play more proactive games who believe more in, in the, the realm of like hey let's draw for a higher level of agency so that we can play a more proactive game perhaps around rift Harrow and things like that um those are starting to, to reap rewards to, to a certain extent whereas for koi they're still kind of stuck in this paradigm and i think that it's not just that marong probably is not because that marong doesn't want to change is that i think the way that this team plays as well uh doesn't allow him to do that and i think changing the top lane as well it, this this style works extremely well when you're winning across the map right your ball lane is push your mid lane is push your top lane is push and then there's all these options that you can have as marong and you, you go in there you're going to find a kill and things like that but now when you are stacking your own economy in the jungle to help your top laner you're not getting a kill um you're just helping him crash the wave because he put himself in a bad situation he played this lane under par then all of a sudden you're just going to be extremely far behind so uh it's one is the way that the team style plays and two is that they had a downgrade of sorts at the top lane so that's the reason why i think marong seems to be struggling so much uh the bright side for marong though is that trimby i think it's could be uh if i were to vote he would definitely be my um first team all pro support right is, is that the term they use for it what you mean, you mean for, the, for the whole split so far he's number one for support yeah, from from what I've seen so far, because okay. he's definitely th this guy is putting Koi on his back, right? The he he and Comp, the way that they're playing lane, the the things that he's doing in team fights and and things. I think Trimby is definitely somebody who's. I mean, they did get solo a killed a fuck ton of times in the regular season, but they did, they did get a bit <laughs> fucked up in lane sometimes. <laughs> yeah, but um, when 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 Koi does well, it's because Trimby is yeah, able. Yeah, Okay, he might be the X Factor, sure. It's, it is for them to do well, it has to be Trimby and Com doing well in the bot lane, right? And when they don't do well, I think this is where this team kind of falls apart as well. So I think that uh, with what's happening in the top lane, I think this Koi, this is not going to be Koi's here. That's uh, that's the, the TLDR of it all. Anyway, I don't think it's, yeah, go, go on. I, I, I don't think things are, are looking up very well for them, and I think that all, all these teams that are playing to very actively uh, control the map is going to catch the fact that Marong and Trimby aren't really called the coordinator in the mid-game. It's going to catch the fact that this team is so greedy, and they always like to play in three lanes as well. Yeah, Yeah. the one thing I would say on the Koi angle is... Uh, oh, let me think, what was it? It wasn't about Malrang, was it? Let me think. Oh, it was about the Shigenda, that's it. Here's the downside, is if I phrase it this way, you actually get a sense of what they've struggled with with Shigenda. If you're someone whose whole fucking MO is supposed to be, he's a carry top player who can play like mechanical champions, then if the best player you've ever made in your career is just you using a really small hitbox to avoid being hit by a tower, I feel like your career wasn't sick enough. You know what I mean? Like, as I just said, remember, let me just check the notes again on what you were supposed to be mechanical champion carry player top lane like just all the fucking where's the Camillo highlights so even yeah. though Shigeta has been slightly better than his splits like that does say something Shigeta your best move ever was just going like eh, eh, eh. basically your best move was like when someone tries to use MS Paint and they don't know you can just zoom in and make it really accurate they're just trying to do it like with their wrist like like a boomer like oh I, didn't, I went outside the line like that's the best thing you've ever done in League of Legends ever and spoiler this is really evil but I'm going to say it Probably is going to be the best thing you're ever going to do in league. So enjoy it. Like, it's brilliant. I'll you know, bring it up. 
but only problem is it takes five seconds and then it's over. But enough if, about um, how Fly fucked up uh, Rogue. <laughs> yeah, yeah, go on anyway. Go on, go on, go on, Dom. I mean, what I was going to say about, about Jigenda is it's like he wants to be a carry top, right? Or like his champion pool is supposed to be this carry top. He was the guy that's supposed to be playing Fiora, Jax, like, which are completely viable champions, by the way. If you look at some of the, like, I'm, I'm going to say something that's going to blow people's minds, but I guess I think LPL is slightly higher competition than, than LEC. And you see people like Bin be able to play these champions, always yep. able to play these types of, uh, of champions. They're getting banned all the time. Like these are champions that are completely viable within the meta. And when BD and when, uh, when Koi tried to play them, they obviously weren't able to figure it out, but they gave up on that shit so quick. And now Shigenda is playing all these champions that are self-sufficient, but then also like supposed to be like kind of lane dominant. But if you have Maorong as your jungler, the whole idea is supposed to be that he is like, the ultimate dog he is the most dog jungler you'll ever find where he'll be like oh yeah i just did full full uh side my uh, side red red clear on red side of the map you know i have three bot camps up but you need some help or you need me to play around your lane because you really want to abuse this one timing at level three sure man i'll do it i'll be two levels behind so that you can do this and we never see koi go to that we never see koi try to play any type of style that that in incorporates like heavily playing around Shigenda in his carry champion pool which tells you one of two things either either they think that he's just not good enough on those champions to actually carry the game and it's not worth the investment or it, it tells you that that the way that the team works he doesn't trust his teammates to actually be able to put him in the position where he can carry these games so on one side of it like there's clearly a disconnect between how what he was sold as and how they ended up using him. And we've essentially seen it since like what the fifth game of winter season in the season portion, they were like, nah, never mind. Fuck it. Like you're on NAR duty. Yeah. yeah. Whatever. You could play like Renekton or something. Maybe that's the most carry champion you'll get. We, we have that. Ne we're never seeing the Jacks again. We're never seeing the Camille again. We're never seeing the Fiora again. Like there's just no way that they're, they're utilizing what his supposed champion pool is. Indeed. In my head, I'm just picturing the Koi hype trailer, like if they were to do the like in-house hype trailer, and it's like in the bot lane, you see like LeBrov is hitting all these hooks, and the Combi's there, he's getting the pentakill on the Caitlyn, and then it's like um, um, uh, Larson with the, the shuffle on the Azure, and um, Marung is going there, he's ganking mid, he's ganking top, and then when he goes to see Janda, he's just like walking in between two turrets, and that's it for his highlight you, you know? That's it. <laughs> that's, that that's animation it. is now just stuck in my head. And at the end, Freddy122 just goes, um, Azir. And then that's it. Like, that's the whole team hype trailer. Like, that's the, <laughs> the best of Koi. You're not going to believe this team, guys. The most exciting team to ever come out of Rogue. <laughs> that's the joke in it. It's the only angle you could hype up. It's That's the only problem is, listen, I know, Dom. I, I, I understand I have, like, a, a perverse sickness that I like these players that essentially are just defined by how boring they are. Like, even the things they're good at is just boring. Like, I should just do what I've always... Like, what I've always done is the LPL's like my mistress where I just go there to enjoy all the ridiculous players. I I always loved the fact that the junglers were just doing mad dives and it didn't make any sense. Like, fuck it, just go for it. Why not? It's yeah. more fun, isn't it? Like, I just enjoy that part because they are just boring <laughs> as fuck, Coy. Even at their best, you don't, you don't really get super hyped, you know? That's how you know, by the way, to spin it on the G2 angle. G2 definitely fucking opened the door to get beaten like this, mate. What the fuck happened there? Just right before MSI, even G2's going to blue balls us and make us think they're going to ruin the whole event. Come on. The I fuck? mean, they're, what I always say is that Koi is like EU Gen G. Like, they're like the macro, like, very, like, trying to extract resources from the map. They want to have, like, high gold 
um, you know, at, at every moment they want to be playing on three lanes. They want to make sure that they're just getting every minion that spawns, etc. G2's just like the European version of T1, where they look really fucking good when they're ahead. When they are snowballing a game, it's like, wow, how could they ever lose? They're so much better than everyone. And then when they get into like these close games or they're slightly losing, it's just everything falls apart. You know, like there's no intelligent macro plays. It's almost like they just don't know where they're going to find their angle and they just kind of just do nothing and, you know, slowly lose out because they. it feels like the way that they see the game is they, when they're ahead, they can see all these little advantages and they're like, oh, we could win that play. We could win this play. We could win this play. But then when you're losing, you don't have all those options. You don't have all the ability to just win like a bunch of different plays that you go for. You have to be very calculated about you know, when you take a fight on what power spike, on what Drake, or like, do you, do you have to trade, you know, a side of the map for an objective? Like, do we want to make a creative play inside, you know, the jungle or something where you, you see them play for like a Drake or something, you set a vision on the other side, you get a pick when they try to reclaim vision near Baron. There has to be something that you do to try to come back. And it feels like G2 just doesn't have any of those plays in their playbook. And it might be because they were winning too many fucking scrims. Maybe Remain was right. They just won all their fucking scrims. They never had to play from behind. And then they just weren't able to figure out any of these ways to play from behind because they never had to do it. I, By the I, way, just, just as a quick aside, I will say, if someone out there watches some of the other shows on our network, like the Monty and Wolf show with Monty and Wolf or Power Spike where Dom and obviously Monty and the rest are talking yeah. about stuff, right? If you are low-key a hater of like LCK aficionados or Monty or especially Wolf, then not only like Dom on his stream, but you've basically had the best like nine, six to nine months you could ever have as a hater because what happens is every episode of these shows is like Wolf and Monty, like... And here's another reason why T1's actually probably like the best team to ever play any game ever. They've sort of like <laughs> Gary Kasparov, Magnus Carlsen reinvented all of the game in the history. They're almost like, you know, like fucking, they're so far ahead of the game. They're like Paul Mooney. Like they're just doing the whole thing. Like, they just throw all that. And then the joke is every single episode after like the finals is like, I don't know what happened. Fucking T1, what happened? Like, yeah. Because it just lose every time. Oh, people, people, <laughs> so, people don't I almost get like Sergeant Floyd off it, dude. I just laugh so much. <laughs> well, the thing is, people don't like because, you know, like normally I'm not somebody who's just like no, I know. That, that tries to take a super unpopular angle and just like beat it to fucking death because I know that it's just not good for my career to like do that type yeah, of shit. That's my style. Yeah, that's, that's your style. style. Yeah. That's, I, I talked about this on stream. This is something that I respect about you is you just like actually don't give a fuck at all. Like. You don't care if you're just getting fucking everyone is replying. Be like, fuck you. Fuck your tweet. I hate your tweet. You just like almost get off on it in a way. Whereas for me, it's like, you know what? I prefer to not have that like every single exactly. fucking day. But the one no, thing man, I can't when, when Southmid waded into that and he's like, what the fuck? It's like, mate, this is just a world game. Duck and weave, boy. Duck and weave. You're going to get a few shots in yourself, you know. It's great. Yeah, I'm just, yeah. I'm basically that nerd kid in the modern day. This is why it's a good job I didn't go to school now. I would just be that kid on those like Ford videos. Like one person is getting the shit beat up by like, 50 people in a corner. Like, luckily, they were, that wasn't a thing when I was a kid. It's just one yeah. on one combat. So it's all good. Or, or if I have like the controversial opinions, normally I'll just like, state them more like from an analytical point of view without okay. like all the fucking hyperbole yes. and the energy and the fucking anger but t1 just brings that shit out of me so like when they're when everyone's just telling me that the fucking best team and i'm like wait what about like this game and then every time they lose the game oh well they were just trying out drafts versus hanwell life and then you look at the game it's like what the fuck were they trying like they were just playing like their normal shit like what the fuck were they they weren't trying it they just lost yes. like oh we we're just trying some dra oh they just drafted some meta champions nice and then you see this and you're like oh so they just got t1 copium is crazy in it 
like they they almost are just like nah, they actually just like uh, save strats of world's yeah. finals to win the next world's even harder like yeah, they're, they're like on that shit and, you know, it, it's it's next level Kobe. it's like yeah actually maybe they lost the final because second seed in msi exactly. might allow you to go through like play-in phase and level up it's like what the fuck are we talking about here like can we just like acknowledge what happened so i'll go through the whole fucking year of like me being like yeah like I think this is an issue, this is an issue, this is an issue. Obviously, I'm like a fucking T1 hater. I'm, I wear that shit publicly so that every single one of my opinions is written off. It's like, yeah, Dom is just delusional. He just hates yeah. T1. So when this happens, like, I have to just fucking celebrate it. Like, it's, it, I get so much joy. Like, if you were to, to see to tell me what are the, the things that, that give me the most joy in League of Legends, number one would be OMG winning. Number two would be T1 <laughs> losing. And number okay. three would be NA, like, winning any type of competitive game. Oh, it fair was. enough. Okay, I had a wholesome end there. That was actually a wholesome end there. Fair enough. Okay. Yeah, so those are, like, yeah. that's my fucking tier list there in terms of, like, what brings me the most joy. So at times like this, I mean, if you go watch Pirate Spike, I'm just fucking going off the whole time because I'm like, I fucking told you, motherfuckers, that this was possible. Like, last, last episode before that, I go on a five-minute discussion or i mean i guess you could say rant about why i think genji is actually better than or like could win against t1 why they're a better matchup than kt was even though kt looked better in the previous series so that's neither here nor there the main point was on g2 and i think that they have the sim they suffer from similar issues where they really just need to be ahead of you and the way that they draft i feel like I'm not confident that they believe in their identity, similar to how like T1 had this massive draft draft buff uh, bust at the end of their series, where it's like they're drafting Braum and Cyan and all this stuff. Because T1 was the team where they wanted, or T, T1, uh, sorry, G2 was the team like T1 where they wanted to play mega aggressive, right? They wanted to play like all these types of lanes. It wasn't the same type of champions. It wasn't like 80 supports, but it's like they wanted to draft Nautilus with a Callista, Samira, a Draven, something like this, and they were going to shit on you bot lane, and they were going to path towards bot. They're going to let BB just do his thing up top, and they were going to exploit this side of the map and just run you over, just run the entire game. And as times went on, I feel like they're playing less of that. Like, what is the two Varus games versus Koi? Why, why are they playing Varus twice? I feel like Varus is like the stable, self-sufficient champion that's like good in lane. It's never going to be a problem. It's playable in multiple different drafts. It's playable in multiple different ways. You could play it into tanks with AP. You could play it uh, with, you know, lethality and poke into long-range champions that are squishy. You can play on hit if you need more survivability, if you want to build shield bow, things like this. But when I'm watching these games, it's like they, they do that in game one. It looks like a G2 draft. You're like, oh my God, they're just going to fucking destroy Koi. They're just going to 2-0 Koi into the fucking ground. Like, look at all this stuff. They have the Pantheon. You don't know where the Pantheon is going. Is it a top laner? Are they going to randomly run it mid? Could they even play support? Could they play a jungle? It's like, that was G2's whole thing. Yeah, yeah. They would pick things like Gragas. They would pick the Kled super early and you didn't know where it was going. They would pick Jarvan in the finals and they ended up flexing it to support. They had all these angles that I thought were really interesting about G2. Um, and then in these like do or die games, like it just felt like they lost that game one. It looked like a G2 game game two and three. It's just like they're just kind of doing nothing. And if they don't end up winning their lanes hard, if they just end up, you know, falling behind early, it just feels like they're just waiting to lose. Oh, by the way, just to finish off the TSM, the T1 fan point, by the way, mm -hmm. I will just say one thing I do actually enjoy, I also just made it, it became like a sickness. I just started to like enjoy it too much is I like the way if someone's a T1 fan, right? There's a certain type of fan base, you know, like on the, our shows and content, Dom, we've sort of anthropologically examined what fan bases are and how different fans from different regions mm -hmm. react. And, you know, like, for example, if people will know from the RLs, French and Spanish fans react very differently to if you mention any of their players versus 
whereas if you're just doing a normal like LEC discussion about who's good and who's not, they have specific players to go crazy for, right? Basically, one of the things I love about people who are T1 fans is any fan base that's had too much success, there've been too many championships, they've had too many great players, they all get mad delusional where like essentially they can never come back down as the results come back down and just have like a real discussion about the flaws of the team. So the joke is when I make a tweet about T1, my tweets to a T1 fan are like LSD. The second they even get the tweet, it just instantly dissolves on their tongue or their ear in this sense. And immediately their whole reality changes and they're not even in normal baseline reality because I could just do a tweet, Dominic, just be like, you know, like, you know, this is kind of the way the latter part Faker's career has gone. He, he is still a great player, but he's never been the best mid laner for years and years. You know, he relies on the team aspect to make it. If I do that right, they won't even reply to any part of that. They won't come in like, well, you know, I disagree. I think sometimes he does play like carry mid or they won't come in like, well, you know, it's just the way league's played now. Like the map is more, but instead what they'll do is they will literally be just off in another reality. They'll just come with pure cognitive distance. They'll just say some mad shit like, so you just hate on a guy because he's legendary and was around 10 years. And you're like, what, you, what the fuck are you even talking about? Like, you're like, how, <laughs> bro, how did you get from my tweet to your thought? Like, what's the line here? And in a straight line, isn't it? It went all like this. Like, I need to know what happened in the meantime. Like, what? It's almost like I'm dealing with their, like, fucking, they're right. It's like they think they're writing in their diary. Like, I've just always hated him. And so, like, what the fuck are you talking? I'm not reading your thoughts. Like, what is that? So that yeah. I just find that part so wild. Because as you say, certain players, fakers won, team one is it you're not there's not even allowed to be a discussion it's just people just going crazy yeah, in second i mean weird in it <laughs> this is something i thought about think about that griffin team in 2019 and how quick everyone slapped the fucking choker label on their oh, forehead sure. and they're like yeah Fuck this team all these guys are chokers yep. tarzan viper fucking chovy they're all chokers they couldn't get it done that team was way less dominant than team one regular season by the way they were like second in 2019 yeah, true. they were fucking second place there were 13 and 5 in the regular season compare that to like 90 percent win rate in lck over multiple splits and then look at like the results and they're like ah well i don't think that t1 actually choked i think it was more of just you know genji just had an overperformance. the thing that i hate about t1 fans thorin is not that they came after me for that fucking crackdown episode that we deleted with, with whippo years ago okay. after you know Whippo that never happened but yeah, sure, sure, whatever, yeah it's not because they sent me death threats and they said they were going to like rape and kill my girlfriend and a bunch of those accounts ended up getting deleted. it's not because of that what I hate the most about them is that they feel like they've had the success of yes. T1 because they're yes. a fan. Like somehow they're above you in terms of yes. like analysis. It's like in what world is like I fucking put my whole life into into analyzing league. I'm waking up at 3 a.m. I'm talking to fucking pro players. I'm doing my best to try to make sure that I am on top of the game. And then just because they like a team, just because they like T1, they're like better than everyone who doesn't like T1. And so like somehow T1 success says something about them. Like they've somehow, they it just shows how smart they are about the game because they like T1. That's the part that I fucking yes. hate the most. I know what you mean. They, they act like they didn't just support T1 and cheer and go like, go T1 in Korean. They act like they actually bought stock in T1 and they're all billionaires yeah. now. And it's like, ah, see, I win, didn't it? It's like, no, because I've also never understood that angle, by the way, guys. If you're just a pleb, if you're like talking shit on Dom, like, oh yeah, you're saying that about Faker when he's like won Worlds and you never even went to Worlds. It's like, yeah, but well, what like, did you I did do? I did go to Worlds. Like, like, well, I did go to Worlds. Also, uh, yeah, also that's not true. But yeah, basically <laughs> in that scenario, right? It's just that's a famous idiot thing that people obviously yeah, say. Yes. In that scenario, right? When people say that shit as well, well, what they don't realize is that should apply to you, the fan, then logically, like you weren't even a pro at all. So by that logic, doesn't yeah, so then you, you can never that's, say anything to me ever about anything. Then if we go down that route, yeah. where you need to have success. Like 
if, if you want to say, oh, well, you were only like, you're only a top jungler during this period. It's okay. Okay. So if you were never a top jungler during any period in your region, then you should never speak again ever on anything League of Legends. Let's do it. No, exactly. Let's do it. I'm fucking down for it. Like, then, I, look, th this is the thing. The people that could use that never use that on me. Like, it's not like fucking Blabber and Xmithy and the people that did have like better charisma ever are like, no, shut the fuck up, Dom. You should never yeah, talk. Right. It's always the random fucking fans. It's the plebs that always do that shit. Yes. Fucking crazy. Because to me, the thing that doesn't make sense is like in the moment they say that, where's the self-awareness? Like, guys, that's like Dom's just eating some normal steak. No, <laughs> nothing wrong with it, just some normal steak. And as he's eating it, you lean in the window, literally take a massive bite out of a dog turd. Like, go, <laughs> you, you know, Faker has Wagyu, though. It's like, I mean, you're right. <laughs> who gives a shit at that point? Like, you're eating, you're eating actual dog turds. Like, you know, like, yeah, Dom doesn't have the Wagyu, but I think he wins this one, you know. I'm just saying. And so it's at least right. in the middle. Anyway, yeah. You got to get but, a few more right. rants on every single yeah, show this okay. week. I just can't control it. Every episode, every right. show, every stream, I just yeah, have to go to it's all good. Rant. Right, okay. Right. We'll we'll take, we'll cut, cut it there, editor. Uh, we'll just throw it out. We'll read it back in, right? So we're going to back from dog turds through T1, <laughs> through G2. Oh, we're back in the LEC. T1 we're back. It's never mind G2. We're back. We're back. The thing is, but the problem I have with this Koi result, basically, I'll say it short like this is, I just don't believe G2 will ever play like that again. I think they'll, this will be the slap in the face, the water in the face. They're going to wake up from this. They'll be way better, in my opinion. I think they're just going to murder that lower bracket. Right? What about... Um, Obviously, we didn't talk at all about SK. Thoughts on SK? Oh, I want to get I want to get Go Jensen's on. point on what I said about G two about oh, like do their yeah. style from behind, their identity um, with like the Kalista Samira not going towards that flex picks, all this type of stuff. Yeah, what do you think okay. on that? I actually think that G2 is, uh, is a very interesting team because I when I was watching them in spring, um, th there's a few things to unpack over here, right? I think definitely the whole like, oh, we trained them wrong thing with them overwinning all those scrims is definitely something that is a part of the conversation here. Because when you watch some of these plays, when you watch how they're having success in, in winter, uh, they're winning these fights 3v4, 4v5, right? Because people are just uncoordinated in their approaches towards them in the side lanes. So they just are more decisive and they collapse and suddenly they pick them off and then it's a 3v3 now. Or is it, or is even a three v two sometimes, and they're just winning these fights that, uh, based on the the numbers on the map, right? You're fighting four against five. You just shouldn't be winning, and um naturally over time as teams get better they're going to get better at these style things as well and that showed the Koi series as well right where I think uh, it's definitely a scenario where the Kali can be bot side and then they see what was it was uh, Vine to Wukong or was it Jarvan I think it was Vi Vi Vine to Wukong and then they, they just decide to put a trigger and go in on the, on the Wukong and they, they get absolutely blown up in, in the team fight because they're fighting the 3v4 so that's definitely that element of okay we we had this lead in the earlier stages of the things and we definitely have very brilliant players uh, in in the form of um, the 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 G two lineup, so that's something that they definitely were getting away with, and perhaps that even trained them to start doing the wrong things as well. Where the intuition in terms of these are winning fights, uh, it's not because they're actually winning; it's because these teams have not learned how to coordinate uh, these elements of map control yet. So that's definitely the specifics of where I think that that's where they they sort of suffered from their own success, right? And in terms of Hans Sama, now this is something that with regards to the virus, I think it's uh, it's rather interesting, right? Because I I was wondering. Um, how much Varus he actually plays? Because I, I also found it very strange that he was picking Varus, and it went to his games of legends. And it turns out that his most played champion throughout his career is actually Varus, which is rather surprising, mm, right? Wow, because okay. you would actually think that it would be something like Draven or Callista, yeah, and that's a 
those are the two champions that he's known the most <laughs> for. So probably the conversation in draft, I, I can't say for sure. But that says it's something about something his Varus play, by the way. That, that that says how unconvincing his Varus play has been. Is that like he's most played Varus, and people are just Bro. like, yeah, does like no one's scared of his fucking Varus. But continue your point. Yeah, but it's probably uh, Falcon, the, the coaching staff of whoever's calling draft is asking, okay, we need bot prior over here, which is a very important element to the way that they want to play, right? Because they want bot prior to be able to either control the Drake or get first rotation on Harrow or to enable first support move for whatever 2v2 or 3v3 mid that they want to play through it, which is a very important element if you want to play these very high agency ag aggressive stuff, right? Bot prior or enabling support move through either uh, natural bot prior or, or a creative jungle gank. It's, uh, it's a very... Um, core tenet of playing this style. So probably they're looking at that and saying, okay, let's go for the Varus. Um, Varus-driven Kalista, they all achieved that in the laning phase, but how these champions operate in the later stages of the game is slightly different, right? As driven as Kalista, you're just there, the team fight happens, you throw your spells and you just hit and you, you do damage. As a Varus, now you have this very big ultimate that's actually extremely key to the team fight, because a lot of times when you're playing these style of team comms, the Varus ultimate is uh, what I call the, the first of the last spell cast, right? It's either the first engage spell that you throw out, and then if the team knows that that is the approach, then that's the follow-up of your Varus ulti. Then everybody has to be in position for your Varus ulti, or it's the last spell that's thrown, and then it serves as a disengage of sorts, because people can't really walk forwards into the creeping tendrils that are spreading forwards, right? So that's the um, that, that's the thing about Varus. It's very different from the way that, that Draven and Callista play. So even though he does get the lane prior in the later stages of the game, you watch him play this Varus, and it's like... Mm. This is where it feels a little bit uh, less convincing, despite it being his most played throughout his career itself, which is, <laughs> which is one of the funnier things that I, I came across when I was researching this topic. So um, I still think that this aggressive style is my personal bias, is the correct way to play League of Legends. It's um, the whole the model canon analogy is that if, um, if you, you have two guns, right? One gun only has one bullet, but you will always shoot first with it. Which gun will you choose in this scenario? So if they want to choose the, the gun that always shoots first, but it only has one bullet, they better make sure that the bullet hits. And I think that Koi is kind of that natural enemy because the way that Koi plays is that it ensures that they only have one bullet. But again, some of these are the teams who wouldn't necessarily draft so much into this very efficient scaling. We're always going to play super greedy on three lanes, so you really have to take the windows against us kind of thing. You maybe have two or three bullets and you still shoot first against a lot of these other teams as well. So stylistically, I think that... Um, I, I would still say that G2 is favored against... should have been favored against Koi, but the the way the G2 plays, especially if it's an incomplete product, they still do have a rookie jungler in the form of Yike as well. Um, is that if you make mistakes, this style is very, very punishable. And I think that's the reason why a lot of teams they tend to shy away from this, is because they don't have the fortitude to say, oh, okay, we are not that comfortable with trying to play this high agency style where if we go against a full scaling team comp, if we make one mistake, we instantly lose the game. That's how you know, by the way, Jensen is deep in the fucking nerdling aspect of League of Legends. The fact that he would even just say it as a connective tissue line. That's one of the funnier things I found while researching, like, all right? It's like fucking, what, yeah. just in all the Excel sheets, like, Jensen's funny things in League of Legends this week. <laughs> like, you're not going to believe, guys. <laughs> oh, wait, just get, let me get to the punchline, guys. This one's a good one, right? You know, you know Cassio P. <laughs> So he had, I love it. I just love the idea. He's just entertaining as he's doing it. It's good. You should. Well, you should should find your own way. The thing I want to say is, I have one last take on G2. So I, I should have done this earlier, but I was waiting. I, I set myself up. 
This is the moment I just need to give a message to the G2 fan base out there. Now, I know obviously over the years you've had different messages sent at you. You've had Carlos's message, which some people would say has soured now. Some people see him as sort of a false messiah in some ways, you know, and regret associated with him. Not me, but, you know, I'm just one of the ride or die homies. Then obviously you had that whole angle where that guy Fosty thought he was involved. Spoiler, I think we'll be memory holding everything about him, just like he attempted to memory hold certain things about history himself. <laughs> believe it or not. Yeah, exactly. You know, <laughs> just a few minor of things that people in Germany, I don't think are that upset about anymore. You know, so you probably get away with it. Wait, you know what's crazy? <laughs> is the, the 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 kid who was the French kid who said who said Oh, the one who got oh, banned. Yeah, I know what you mean. Who said subhuman in English. Yes. Got lost his whole career. Isn't that mad? Like, yeah. He he got hurt more than, than yes. Fosty. Like Fosty's just back, wild, you know, creating memes on social yeah. media and all that type of shit. When this guy is actual denying, he's denying that, or I mean, I don't know if he was denying history as much as he was just saying that he thought that Hitler was actually a good. So much super like that, yeah. Which, which, like, he's like, oh yeah, like, yeah, Hitler actually did like a, a lot of good stuff for the economy. It's like, yeah, you know, like if you're like a tyrannical dictator and then you just like start killing other people and enslaving them and having them do free labor for you, that's pretty good for your economy, I would say. So like, the the ideas were 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 crazy, but somehow, what happened to that guy? The, the kid that just said he said. Oh yeah, this guy is subhuman, which is something that all league players say. By the way, it's just like dog, subhuman, like cancer, like all these things people yeah. just say. He just got completely like fucked, and and you know we never heard from him again. Nice, cool. He's, done. He's in a black site somewhere, but getting wrecked by riot lights. So anyway, what anyway. I was going to say was the, the message to the G two fan base is this. I know you're hyped about Yike. I know. It's cool when a rookie comes in and they do really well. But you're doing the flackhead thing again. And it's really fucking irritating to anyone who watches League of Legends and isn't just a fan of G2 Esports. Like, you're doing the thing where you think that your player, the rookie, is easily the best. And then magically, when they have a bad game like this, and it's obvious they weren't the best, you spiral because you can't handle the idea a better player could be on a worse team. Like, look, you can we can debate whether, like, El is in the mix or what, but, like, People, even though Jankos' team sucks, he's just better than Yike. I'm sorry. Like, the eye test tells you that. All analysis tells you that. Like, because this was an example of the series. Like, if people are going to think I'm hating on Vlake, just like they claimed we all hated on Flackhead. Like, bro, if he goes to MSI and has games like this, he's just going to get fucking murked. There's some really good junglers going to be in this tournament, guys. Like, he's not even a bad player. Like, just like the Flackhead example. In fact, he's even a better player relative to his role than Flackhead was, but... Give me a break. Like, yeah, this was like one of the rare series. He had to play real League of Legends as a jungler and like navigate from behind and the team fight and stuff. Like, every other game, he's just snowballed to fuck, isn't he? Like, I can't handle it, mate. Like, it's going to be my trigger because basically. They're just going to claim he's the best, mate, until the end. Like, I always say this. It, the way you know that they, everyone was full of shit about Flackhead last year is you, they never mention his name now. It should be insanely conspicuous. He's not in LEC if he was that good. Like, I actually do. We've discussed this before. I think he should be in the league, but they were yeah, making him so, sound too. like he was better than fucking upset, mate. Like, the eye test no, never told you he was. Sound. The eye test never told you that. They were saying explicitly. It's the same shit here again, though. Play. They just they just have to think Yikes number one for some reason. Who knows why? I don't get it, man. The rest of the team's awesome, guys. I mean, he won. They all have to be the best, do they? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think he's really he's really good for a rookie, but I mean, it does seem like he is extremely lost from behind. Like he he doesn't know which plays are good to go for, and it just feels like a lot of times when I mean, look, that's why I keep on saying the heretics angle. Now imagine if he was on fucking heretics instead of Yankos, and you're always behind. How are you gonna look then? That's what yep. people don't understand about how how 
ELO held you get when you're in those bad teams, when everything is losing and everything looks like a bad play. And then you have to think about from the jungler perspective, when you're losing, you also don't have vision around your lanes. Like every jungle camp you fucking take, you're just in hell. You're like, oh man, am I going to die on this camp? Where's the mid later? He pushed the wave. He's missing. Oh, I guess we have to give up this. We have to give up the other thing. We have to give up bot turn. We have to give up Harold. We have to give up Drake. Like all these types of issues just end up arising. Like that's, that's the one thing that I keep on saying. Um, uh, about what Yankos was able to do this split because my God, like, I mean, when you have winning lanes, the game is a completely different game. Like you're playing with unfair pieces when you are a jungler on a winning team. Absolutely. Right. Let's do it then. Fuck it. Let's the last team is SK and then we'll talk about the other group. that's more interesting. I didn't have that much to say about this one. Like SK in general, they've obviously fallen off during the split anyway, but like the problem I have is this basically Jensen. I do think a lot of what made them really good in the previous split was just individual player strength. Like Exekick did look like the best ADC. Remember we had no upset back then. Obviously fucking Marcoon was doing a really great job early on that like you had the odd pop off and so like in general, you know, each put they had players that had good performances. Thing is to me, they're just a way less dangerous team now, mate. Like, I don't, I, I'm not scared that this team's going to, like, knock everyone out and win this group. Like, I'd be surprised now if they get out the group, obviously. Where are they at for you? Is SK still a good team? Are they still a top LEC team for you, Jensen? Uh, I mean, we talked about BDS if the Cinderella clock was strike 12 and they turned back into a bumpkin. I think SK has already turned back into a bumpkin already. Right. right. Like, this is a team where there's no magic to it. I'm watching the way they approach the map. It's a very outdated. We're going to push through mid and then we're just going to try to out team fight you. There's all these opportunities that they're wasting. Uh, and on top of that, I don't really think that the players are going to punch above their weight in terms of um, what they can bring out in the lane itself. Uh, it's more of a. They'll show up, they'll play a game. If people play bad against them, they might steal steal a series, but it's on the opponents to lose the series against them. I'm not going to expect SK to show up and say that, hey, th these are the reasons. If I look at any SK series, basically I'm thinking not so much about how SK is going to win, but ways um, the other team is going to self-sabotage and lose to them. Dom, there's surely no way you're at all in on SK now. Like, this team's just fucking oh. done, aren't they? <laughs> no, no, I mean, they, they look a lot worse. I mean, Exekick is no longer, like, this beast. I think Doss is playing a lot worse as well. And that was their whole thing before, is they had this weak side top laner. Jungler's pretty good. You know, mid lane is stable. And then their bot lane is just smurfing on everyone. Where even in, like, series, for example, like the Mad Lions best of five that they played, it looked like Exekick was just the better AD carry yeah, in that yeah. series. Like, he was just the better player in that series. And, I mean, I think that, Exekick has kind of proven the point that we always have on on rookies where the progression is not linear yes. like different metas are going to change and people are going to play worse at times um and Exekick I think is just having a much worse split than he had last split so that's what it is that when that's one of your win conditions like you just don't get to win no, here's the thing. I know what you mean by that because, like, the joke is, the, like, it basically, the, the per person everyone will remember if they watched my shows back then was the worst okay. defender was Loco. Like, Loco just had to see everything through that lens of the rookie. He basically was the original guy, Jensen, who would have gotten tricked, like, all the LEC coaches to just permanently sign in the RL talents because he really did think, like, it's not even that he thought it. It's just that it's a way his brain automatically went as a pattern. He thought if you played really well as a rookie, he'd be like, well, since they were a rookie, they could get better. So what if next split they're like half better again and it's like he actually didn't realize it I and mean, he doesn't understand deep like fucking mathematical concept he didn't understand he essentially was explaining like exponential fucking improvement on splits which if you just stop for a second you'd realize wait a minute like basically no one in history's done that ever pretty much like I don't think I can't think of anyone who just got that yeah. every split I mean, and so yeah the problem was he really never could see that like obviously they could just get worse or just be the same again you know like he would yeah, always I mean, get tricked into people, that angle uh, look at people that were extremely 
good when they came in, like El Yoya, for example. Sure. Like his rookie year was arguably better than the year he's been putting together right now. Yeah. So, like, I, I don't yeah. know. I just feel like this is just one of the things that we always end up hearing um, with with rookies. And I just I wish that people just stopped doing that every single time a rookie pops off because. I mean, I feel like Exekick now, it's like no one really talks about him. And people just kind of ignore that he's been playing a lot worse. But uh, for sure, if you're watching the games, like he is no longer dominating bot every single time up in CS, gets a solo kill. Like, I mean, it's just not that anymore. Um, and I feel like they've they've actually went away from a lot of the the picks that actually got them there in the first place. So, uh, I mean, also, I mean, you got to say it, right? Like Yumi nerfs ended up taking out this team quite a bit. Like when they were getting Yumi for DOS, they looked a lot better. They were willing to play things like the Yumi Lucian, for example. And now that they're not getting Lucian anymore and Yumi's out of the game, just feels like they have less tools to work with. Also, just going to throw this out there, just as classic Yumi player disrespect, that whenever you also, one of the best angles is you just play Yumi. So I'm talking to you, Mercer, when you were in Misfits, talking to Doss now and SK. Spoiler, that essentially implies like they don't need you to play League of Legends. They just need that bullshit champion in the game. So I'm just going to throw that out there. I'm not really sure that's bigging you up. That That's the draft identity. <laughs> yep. Let's go to the other group then, because here's the thing. If any week, Dom, was time to fucking crow on all these little haters and naysayers, it's this week, isn't it? Because not only did your beloved G2 lose to Koi, remember, like I just said, in an anime, Koi would be the most boring character that none of you like, even though he's probably like really like, not a bad character overall. Like, not only did your beloved G2 lose, but Vitality smurfed. Oh, no, they didn't just smurf, guys. Like I said on Twitter, bro, Upset is just the best Western League of Legends player. Like, does he ever have a bad game? I'm watching like, the game wasn't I, great, but it wasn't, really yeah, it wasn't great, but like it wasn't like terrible even. Like, man, it's floor is just ridiculous on his game now. It's so fucking good. Like, even sometimes they even do actually like semi fuck the game up, but he just carries it no matter what. It's ridiculous. The guy's just so cracked now. Yeah, I mean, I think for, for me, it wasn't so much about upset this this series, but I mean, just Bo put 113 so far oh, down into the dumpster it, yeah. that it's going to. It's going to take months for him to crawl out. I mean, it's so funny because he was the main person that 113 was like disrespecting where he's like, yeah, like, you know, I think I'm top two. Like this guy is like not not that good because he had one game where he played really well. The Viego yep. game where he played um, into bow. But when was the last time you've seen 5k gold leads and five levels on a jungler? in a Oh, that might game? be one of the craziest gaps of all time. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, this this was, I think, the hardest I've ever seen a jungler get shit on in the series. And it, it was like. It was like he was getting shit on at every point in the game. He walks into the jungle level three into Bo, and Bo's just fucking out playing him level three, and then goes on to beat his ass for like 25 minutes straight. This game, th these games were fucking insane. I mean, this was some like Chinese TikTok Lee Sin shit that we ended up seeing here. Yes. Where you are on this, Jensen? Because if people don't know, this is the whole reason I was hyped that Bo is in the fucking West. Like, he should be an LPL player. He's fucking sick. You know, if, if I had Doctor Strange powers, right? If I if I have the ability to go back and like change time and change the course of history itself, it's not gonna be any of those big things. I'm I'm okay. such a hardcore Doom B fan. The one thing I'm gonna change is the fact that Bo got basically excommunicated from China because yes. of all the match fixing and bullshit, right? Because when he was playing those games, he looked so insane, right? And people talk about like rookie players like having like oh they, they look like kind of good and they have all these style things. Bo was the real deal in his rookie split in the LPL. You looked at the way that this guy played, he he was better. I, I would have said, and I'll die on this hill, that I think it was better than Tian. He, it looked like this team would easily win worlds with just Bo, Doe and B, put three wooden boards, 
in the rest of the seats for top AD and support, and that team was going to win Worlds. That's how good I think the, the things would be here. And I think he's got a similar setup now. Now that this, of course, you need more than wooden boards because um, the previous ball lane and the winner split were kind of wooden boards, right? <laughs> um, and even a winner split, I actually thought that this was going to be the superior team over G2, but uh, there's a little bit too many weaknesses in the early game in terms of lane, so they couldn't come true with that. And I think that even now, with like bringing upset in this, the whole question of like, okay, so now you guys have the super team, who do we play to? Is do we want to play a more um, jungle carry kind of strategy, like towards more perks, towards more uh, of mid jungle with perks and bow? Being the focus, or do we want to play more towards like upset and having upset being uh playing the, the Zaris and all these hyper carries as well? And I think that it's a, a flexibility is good, but it also can be a curse, right? Especially with the super teams, especially when things start to go downhill, and then it's very easy to erode the trust amongst the members. Um, and definitely some of the games right now is not the cleanest. Maybe it's a comms issue, like the whole vitality comms thing. I think it's a little bit of a meme. I think I actually feel that it's kind of passive aggressive the way that the LEC broadcast keeps like bringing it up as one of the factors. It's definitely a very interesting narrative point. But it's um one of the one of the, the factors where I think that okay, this is one of the things that they definitely have to to fix for us to say that this is a team that can contend with the international teams, right? But Bo but Bo is definitely the real deal. He has the right mid lane to set him up as well. And I think that yeah. Perks is somebody who has the veterancy to know that his job on this team is not to be the superstar. You're not gonna see the perks of the Blanc, you're not gonna see the perks this year, you're gonna see the perks Annie, Galios and stuff like that. And this is how this team is gonna succeed, right? Or, or the Renactons, you just get the push and help him out. Perks is gonna do his don't be Cosplay to to either put put a uh, upset or or bow on a pedestal to for for them to carry the game and I was even say maybe fourth one can even be in the conversation in particular matters as well so this is a team that definitely has the depth to be uh, meta proof to a certain degree and I think that this is a team that I'm the most excited for um, to do damage internationally but they have to get there so i don't think they're complete product product yet there's still some like issues there's some still some mistakes here and there but it's definitely something that it's i i think that this is a this is a very exciting team and uh it's something that i it's a team that i'm excited to see play at msi if, if they do make it you know yeah, the health the health scenario i mean it just if you haven't followed all the championship points you don't want to get into the nitty-gritty the main hell scenario is you 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 have to pray to God if you like EU that Mad Lions doesn't end up beating Fnatic and Astralis. If because if they get fourth and G2 gets it together and win, it's fucking doomed. Mad Lions is going to, to MSI. So that's the that's the main thing that people just need to be aware of. That you know, if you like vitality, you gotta hope that either G2 doesn't make it and G2 doesn't get it together. Or that Mad Lions just completely falls apart in these best of threes because it's, uh, yeah. I mean, it's do you, pretty wait, do you scary think this fight Would this vitality beat G2? I think so. This fight, I, I think so, yeah. I think so, too. Because that's the whole point. The hope is they make the final. And, yeah, and then they, win the, they just win the final, yeah. And G2 is so hard to analyze because I feel like every time where I'm like, oh, they've got it together. Like, they've went away from the, you know, the, the more... Um, the slower paced drafts and they've went back to what their strength is, which is playing fast with a lot of flex picks and, you know, really snowballing games. As soon as I feel like they've figured that out about themselves and they have two games, like the ones against Koi, where it's like, it, it ends with a fucking Vi first pick and you're like, oh man, vibe first pick for G2. Well, I guess we just fucking lost again. So it, it's, it's hard to read G2 because I feel like they could be so much better with, just like somebody reminding them who they really are. I mean, that's what Perks did for Bo, right? That's what he said in the interview, that one of his biggest strengths was that he reminded Bo that Bo was Chinese. 
It's like, wait, you're not European. You are Chinese. Play Lee Sin. Like, when you, if you play Lee Sin, like, you are going to absolutely smurf on the champion, and then he just looks fucking like a different player. By the way, the only thing is, though, Dom, I know what you mean about the nightmare scenario, but the good news is, even though I'm not a fan of everyone on Astralis, I actually think I can rely on them to beat Mad Lions, mate. Like, I think they're going to save us all, and we'll have a chance that Vitality just goes and wins, then it'll be the two teams we all need. I, I know it's a little bit of hopium, a little bit of that seeped in there, but I just think Mad Lions looks fucking bad, mate. Like, I know, look, they're probably going to beat Fnatic. Fnatic, like, is the team that, like, the borderline whether they should have even been here. People are getting too gassed off that, like, one week they had at the end. Like, yeah, it looked good, but that doesn't erase all the previous weeks. Like, they still have mass flaws. So, to me, like, they might beat Fnatic, but I think Astralis is going to get them. Jensen, who do you have coming second in this group, mate? I actually think it's, I think it's actually going to be either Astralis. Most likely, 70% Astralis, 30% Fnatic. Fnatic, I'd say, is kind of like a Oh, okay. You're giving Fnatic a chance? Why? Yeah, because uh, I mean, I I'm not I'm not like a very big fan of the way they're playing, but I think that is is the whole like um, cynical side of me coming in and saying that this is a team that I think they're riding a little bit of a hide right now um, with the change in coaching staff, with the with the upswing of certain things. Like I'm just watching the legends in action and things like that. The vibes of the team is definitely good, and when the vibes of the team is good, it's something where um, they definitely can outperform the eye test, right? In terms of what we are seeing. So um, I think that the, the new coach, right? I think it's something that uh, it's he's exactly the one person in the world who's the right man for this job for Fnatic at this period of time. So for everybody who's yeah, yeah, listen, with... I, I know that's just something people say, but that's why did you phrase it like that? Like he's you made it like a fucking hype movie trailer. Like the one man in the world who could do it right now for Fnatic is in the building coaching Fnatic right now. Like why? Why, was, why specifically? What what's so unique about him that makes him fit this style? Like come on. So so let me set this up a little bit, right? So everybody who has worked with human, right? They always talk about how humanized this guy is like he's just chilling and things like yeah. that even and even when i i worked with humanoid on, on the splice roster and things like that he's oh, like this yeah, very chill guy right yeah. like he, he doesn't he doesn't really participate in things like that but this is the one guy because he's from from the czech republic as well and he's like great friends right he's he's freezer's brother he's great friends with humanoid and things like that he's actually involving humanoid he's like he's like he's friends with humanoid and he is actually able to get the playoffs humanoid to perform oh, see in the, the end of the season as well right okay. so he's the humanoid so, whisperer yeah, he's basically the humanoid whisperer. He's the right. person who can't get that that right. MVP level humanoid who was I think it was MVP <laughs> yeah. of this year, 20, 2021, right? Of of the of the LSE. He's the person what's who can coach that off him and get, I don't think get he was, but yeah, What's the thing. secret to to you know getting the most out of humanoid? Probably just being from the same country and just I don't know, fucking saying something in his language. Yeah, like, right, like, Tomorrowland right? <laughs> tickets, maybe just slip them to him, just right under the table. It's like, all right, <laughs> like you have one ticket if you make playoffs in in uh in when spring split and we'll get you a plus one if you end up doing it in summer i i have to say it as somebody who worked with uh nightshare previously um is that this is someone who's i mean freeze is a student brother right he's somebody who has been around pro players his entire life he has seen what pro, pro players are like and he understands them a lot better as compared to, to a lot of coaches who don't necessarily um who haven't had experience as a pro player or had limited experience as a pro player as well and i think that one of the things that from from a from a coaching standpoint that he, that he does very well is that he's very good at getting buy-in from people and bringing a, a team together and okay. i think that it's definitely it's definitely paying dividends as well so not only is he is he a human whisperer maybe he could even be the reckless whisperer you know my god and if they okay. can do that 
<laughs> and and if 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 he can do that, I I think that it's it's a like once again, Legends Connection very very limited, very limited scope, right? But from the way that they're doing things, you, you're saying the involvement um, that these players are having, what we're seeing on camera and things like that. I would say it's not just uh, I wouldn't say it's just for the show. I would actually say that having having seen the way that this guy works before, it's something that he actually has been able to to genuinely authentically create. Right. Uh, the only person I feel that's maybe not really there, not on the same page, is maybe Oscar Rinnan. And I think that that's, uh, that's probably one of the bigger concerns on this team as well. But just having the whole uh, friendship is magic thing can maybe get this team to, to overperform whatever status that they're in. And then they, uh, Mad Lions right now, why I'm not high on them is that I think they have identity crisis. And then against Astralis, there's some very fatal flaws in the gameplay as well. So if Fnatic, they can then overperform, win a few team fights, uh, have a strong showing in lane. This is a team that definitely can still make it. Um, I wouldn't say Mickey Mouse, but rather um, what's the term? Mac Mac Rather sneak MacGyver sneak their way, it, right? Yeah, MacGyver. MacGyver, right? They, they, yeah, they can the definitely concept. MacGyver their, their okay. way into the next stage through the power of friendship. Okay, fair enough. By the way. Just two things. One, as an aside, at least he actually did sort of say MacGyver. One thing I never understood about Americans, Dom, is why would they say McDonald's? Do they say McDonald's? It's obviously McDonald's, you idiots from Scotland. And they're like, I don't get that one. Why do they say Mick? It's not even me. That's not even how it's pronounced. Why do Americans just change the words? Come on. Come on. Well, Australians just say Mackers, so. That's true. You know? they, are, they have the Mackies or whatever. Yeah, yeah Mackers. <laughs> that's true that's not a great one by the way come on and I'm, I'm not buying that dom at any angle where for gets out this group come on no i don't i don't mean it. I, I mean barring like omega chokes i mean i feel like the mad lion series maybe they can win it i mean astralis is just a good matchup versus fanatic i think that's the biggest issue is that astralis just has a good matchup versus um fanatic with the way that they played the game and they can make the game so much easier the next time they get like it feels like there's not really an answer. If you just ban Lissandra and you don't let Humanoid have a free Lissandra angle, I feel like Leader's Champion Pool is just really, really scary. Um, that being said, I think that there were some issues with the way Fnatic prepped. I just think that you don't ever give 113 Sejuani, like ever. I, I just think that it enables the team way too hard when you consider the fact that their mid leader loves to play AD like melee mids. That's his whole thing is that he plays melee mids. So, I mean, Fnatic shouldn't make it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know if I'm completely sold on Astralis like being just bulletproof, you know, like not being able to choke or not having, you know, bad series. Because even though 113 got shit on by Bo, I also think that he was playing worse. It wasn't just that Bo was in insane god mode and 113 was playing his best. If 113 plays like that versus another jungler, I'm not sure that they won't still be pretty far ahead. The other thing, the other reason also why I'm not worried about Mad Lions is we're also acting like Mad Lions is going to play well. Like, these guys can play like fucking shit sometimes at the moment. Like, mate, one thing I can't handle is, you know this, I've always been out on Kazi, mate. It's like maybe the first split he joined the LEC when we were online and he was Mad Lions, he was pretty good. But like, aside from that, I've just never bought it. Like, to me, Kazi is one of the mysteries. Like, it's why even though I've had loads of people who've been in his teams, I always essentially keep asking the same question. Like, but what does he do that we don't see, you know, in on the 
camera because yeah, he's, he's never worked out with the eye test. And this, like, if people didn't see this series now, what a fucking shocker some of this shit on Lucian was, mate. Like, the guy's just not that good. At, I don't get it, mate. I don't get it. So, like, in a weird way, it's why I, when this team was good, I just gave a lot of props to the coaching staff and El Yoya and Niski, basically, because, like, I just don't buy it. Like, the, this bottling is never going to be that good as a bottling. And it, Harzi just isn't that good a player, mate. Like, who gives a shit? I don't, here's what I don't get, guys. There's loads of really good players in LXE. Why do I have to care about Kazi? I don't. I'm, so I don't give a fuck. I, to me, he's just a whatever player. That's, I don't know how we how he keeps getting on these teams, mate. He must just have the fucking most next level interview technique of all time or something. I don't get it. I mean, he's also likable and people want to play with him. Sure. You know, that, that, that goes far in LEC. I mean, it goes it's far wild, in LCS it, as well. No. It's wild. It goes far anywhere, to be honest. Because like all, of the, just do this exercise, guy. Take the exact same Mad Lions team, but give them any of the good ADCs. Like fuck it, you know what? Even go and get like Jack Spectre or something. Mate, they'd have, they'd be a way da- more dangerous team. Like that's, that's the problem. This team is like the term is just toothless. Like sometimes they just have games where it's like, oh, they're gonna win this one. Like I don't know they, from the draft they win, or they win from the early game. Like I don't know. You actually do you believe in Mad Lions at all, Jensen? What's the good about Mad Lions? Am I missing some angle that's actually legit about them? Okay, I think Mad Lions, um, they are they're definitely better than they look right now. But it's not going to show in this split, right? Unless unless there's like some miracle that happens within the week, I don't think it's going to show in this week. This is another team that draws, uh, that believes in the, the in the in the one bullet. But I always hit this school of agency, right? And it shows in the draws as well. They're playing all of this big compositions, things that are very good at taking control of the map, and then playing playing around on two lanes as well. And uh, they definitely have the right players to facilitate that as well. But some ways, somehow, I thought that when this shifted into going away from Enchantress, that Mad Lions was going to be really strong. But that hasn't really happened. And when you watch the games, you see Hillisang's on his own pages doing his own thing. I mean, there's the whole chicken on the skateboard thing, right? But now we don't, we're not scoring points because he's doing <laughs> tricks. It's, we, we, need, we need you to lay eggs, hey, right? And Hillisang's just, he's, his dad doing a triple, his dad doing the triple flip, his dad doing the, the reverse one, 180, but he's not laying any eggs. And that's what they really need him to do right now. He needs to go and pair up with Elioia and lay some freaking eggs. Right. No, he's laying and, some eggs just in the kill and assist column. There That's where the eggs are. There you go. There you go. <laughs> yeah. So that's okay, that's, that's like that the one. issue right nice. now. <laughs> That, that's the issue right now with, with Madlines. I think they're going through an identity crisis and they really need to kind of figure it out. Is it some internet issues where there's some issues between some of the players where they're not talking things through? Like once again, I'm not privy to any inter- internal information, but just looking at the way that they play, looking at the way that the players are, are communicating, if I were to cover the nameplates, it's almost like I'm watching Excel play. Now, first of all, first of all, what an, what an outrageous diss to just weave in there! Like it's almost like I'm watching XL play. The way he just he even hit the emphasis perfectly. Like it's almost like I'm watching XL play. Drops the mic completely. No, but the other thing is as well, mate. You know that famous meme of that like 1960s Batman cartoon where it's Batman talking to Robin and slapping him in the face. Like when I watch their drafts, it's like I want like Max fucking Robin and he's just like Lucian Nami and then I'm just Batman slapping him. So say, what the fuck are you doing? Look at your team, you idiot! Like why is he drafting that every game? Why why are you pretending like we've got a really good bot lane? Like what am I oh. missing here, guys? Like I mean, I think it's because of the upset factor because oh. upset is so good on Lucian Nami and you also don't want to give him like it's just what do you draft right because you're not going to beat him if you draft zaya into lucian nami you take the other side of that matchup you're probably just going to get your shit pushed in bot lane the entire fucking game and then like you also don't really trust karzi on zeri you don't feel like he's going to be a zeri player who's going to be able to you know 
minimize deaths, get through the lane like even CS, and then just become a monster in team fight and completely carry. So, yeah, I mean, it, I'm with Carthy you, Dom. But here's the thing: bad obvious counterpoint to that. I also, yeah, I agree. I definitely don't trust uh, Kazi on that, but I also don't trust fucking Nami Hillisang, mate. I'm sick of seeing that. It's just garbage. Like, stop playing that champion. You can't play it. It's fucking shit. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it's just nothing in it. It's the just time. I know it's one of the Nami's. What's the sure. point? What's the he's played I, so many now over the last year or so? It's like me. How many games do I have to see this? Come on, I, I'm just recalling this game by Hillisung's playing Lulu, and he just runs up into the opponent's red buff and starts fighting the opponent jungler. Like somebody yeah. else shows up, and he just gets one shot as a Lulu. It's like this is <laughs> this is just insane. Like I don't want to see Hillisung on. Like I don't care if Pike's not in the meta. Just drop Pike from every single game, right? I don't want to see an enchanted game yes. from Hillisung. Yeah. No, 100%. I, mean, I think that there's there's definitely angles for him. I mean, he should just literally take the Kaiser route. Like, maybe every now and then you get, like, a Lulu game in there or something. Or if, like, you know, there's a really good Lucianami angle, you take it. But most of the time, you're looking for the Rakan every time it's up. If, if, if You know, it's getting banned a lot for some. Okay, just take the Nautilus most times. You'd rather have Hilly play the Nautilus into the Lucianami almost every single time in lane. He's the guy that can do what Mickey X does. He can land the Miracle Hook through the minions and yes. get the fucking one kill that will completely alter the lane. I just feel like he needs more agency um, in these games. Like him just being a passenger has never been what has worked for Mad Lions. Oh, and by the way, since we didn't talk that much overall about Astralis, I also just think, mate, if Astralis actually gets out of this group, which I think right now I would favor them to do so, it's going to be so sick because, like, the implications of what it could actually mean for, like, LEC going forwards is, like, think about this, like, Leader will just be actually established as, like, a, just a good player now, probably going to get a player more than just Thank beyond God. split. Kobe will actually, just like Crowley, get the real status of, like, he's just one of the best ADCs, like, flat out, like, forget the old name value, like, these guys are the kings right now, they're the best in the fucking role like there's another thing it, because of the leader factor people mainly focus on that it's the storyline within Astralis and all these wins but like Copier was there when they didn't have leader who's really good and he's just really good still guys he's another player where almost every game I see he's just playing really well just having great games constantly back yeah. to back to back like props well, I mean just think about this split alone right like don't think about Winter think about this split alone in what world, what has Hansama done off those first two Draven games where he just gets like Draven for no reason and then he just smurfs it completely and then he never gets Draven again? Like, why do we have to say Hans is better than like Upset? Why do we have to say he's better oh, than no. Crowny? Why do we have to say that he's better than Kabi? It just feels like, you know, this split, these guys have just stepped up and they're just more comfortable in the meta and they're playing better. I think that there's a lot of things that that um, these guys are able to do. So primarily when I'm looking at it, they can play like they can play the Lushinami which is good. Like being able to have a good Lucianami. I mean, we saw what happens when you don't have a good Lucianami from, from Karzi, right? Having the Lucianami and you have like the Zeri in your pool. That's huge. Like they're adapting to the meta way better than, than from what we're, we're seeing of, of G2. So yeah, I mean, I think Karzi, like Karzi, obviously he's been struggling. Kabi has just been playing super well. I mean, he just dominates them in lane. And the thing that's crazy is like when you see him obviously play against uh reckless, he's just, he's better every game than reckless. Yep. That's crazy that he's just been better multiple games in a row than Reckless. When Reckless was the guy that was like, he was the guy in fucking 2018. When Kami also, Dom, don't you find it crazy? Like, it's if people don't know, it's so rare that players like this late in their career get like a, a bunch better and become like more consistent. Normally, like you peak in the middle of your career, obviously like a bell curve almost. Like it's actually, I, I can't, I'm, I'm struggling to think of many no. players that got like this good at the end, you know, like now. 
No, what I actually think happens is you start as a rookie and then you just get consistently better throughout all of time. So then okay. when you get to like the age of like 90 years old, you're just the best League of Legends player that's ever existed. Basically, there's the joke. Because this actually does perfectly work. Essentially, now I know why Loco's into Bitcoin because he essentially thought of all players as like cryptocurrency that was always going <laughs> to the moon at all times. Like, to the moon, to the moon. Oh, sad. Poor Loco. The only time, here's all you need to know. Even though he's not involved in esports, I have no reason in esports to ever think of him. Every t every now and then, if there's ever news like crypto markets crashing, I'm like, ah, oh. I just sort of look at, like a thousand miles out of a window, Dom, and just go, I hope he didn't put it all in. <laughs> and then I just turn back to whatever I'm doing and go, you know, there you go. That's all, that's all I can give you local thoughts and prayers, mate. Thoughts and prayers. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> right, well, anyway, let's let's rewind it all. Right, yeah. here's the one thing I want to say is. I've basically been waiting this whole split to see the best of five between Vitality and G2. So I just hope, first of all, I hope I'm going to get that because obviously what sucks now is G2 is going to have to start in the lower bracket and all that crap, right? So that's not great, but I'm hoping they're still going to get there because if that's actually the final, I think we're going to have a really good final. I think actually, like, what's cool is that everyone can have a justified reason as to why it can go one way or the other. And also, aren't those the two... like? Ultimately, because of the championship points thing, you also sort of need Vitality to win the split now. Because as we've said, it's bad if Mad go. It's not going to be great if Koi go either, if we're being real. And the real problem is just the way the points work. They're almost locked in, as we said, if you get a certain threshold. So that's the one downside. Do you have anything else to say at the end, Jensen? Is there anything you're looking forward to in the playoffs, mate? Uh, I mean, if if, it's, if we get a if we get a best of five between Jutta and Vata, the that series is going to be such a banger. You're going to see some LPL go graphs in that game where one team is like 10k hit and then they find a way to, to to almost lose the game but still win it in the end through some crazy backdoor or something, or maybe they just lose anyways. You know, um, like and you're going to see all these crazy skirmishes in the jungle as the teams like really jostle for for map control, even though there's like no objective spawning. So like people are like no so so accustomed to. Every time I watch a Vata, I can just skip like five minutes. Okay, next tricks coming up. What's going to happen here? Was that a team fight? Oh, no, they just backed off. But when G2 and Vitality, it's, it's the whole Perks meme, you know? It's like men die on the battlefield and that, that whole copy pasta and things like that. There's, there's going to, I expect a series that's going to be full of action. And I think that that's, if that's going to be the finals, it's going to be one hell of a banger. Well, eSports is almost done with CSGO and now eSports is done with Jensen Gore. <laughs>